What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. Wait, how does it go? Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. Wow, there's a throwback there. Anybody uh, remember that guy? Got a lot of mileage out of that Fiverr gig. Anyway, uh, today is the 500th edition of the show, which just seems crazy to me. It feels like just yesterday starting this thing in a lot of ways, but it's been nine years. I guess time flies when you're having fun. So first off, thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. And every time you put a little side hustle show in your earbuds, I am so, so grateful to be able to do this for a living and it wouldn't be possible without you. So thank you. Now, in honor of the 500 episode milestone, I wanted to reflect back on 10 big ideas, 10 common themes over the last nine years. It took longer than I care to admit to narrow these down for one, and then go back through the archives and pull out some of these uh, long forgotten sound bites. But I think you'll like them. Big idea number one is to set a vision for your life and determine why it's important to you. Where do you want to go and why do you want to get there? And who do you want to take along for the ride? Because without that driving motivation, it's going to be too easy to quit. It's the same reason people give up on their New Year's resolutions. They didn't want it bad enough. It wasn't that important to them. Otherwise, by definition, they would have made it happen. I was never much into vision boards or affirmations or anything like that. But a couple people challenged me in 2018 to actually sit down and write out a three to five year vision of what life was going to look like. One of those people was Brian Scudamore, the founder and CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. My number one tip would be anyone out there who wants to improve their life, improve their business, grow a business, I'd say, come up with your vision. What is your painted picture, I call it, of where you're going? Now, I sat down on a dock, my parents' summer cottage, when I was at a million in revenue, and I wrote down on paper, one page double-sided, our painted picture, which said we'd be in the top 30 metros in North America, we'd be the FedEx at junk removal, we'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show. All these things and more happened because we had a destination, a clear vision of what that future would look like. So for anyone in life, I think it's what's your painted picture? What does your life look like in three to five years and write it down? At that time, when I recorded with Brian, his business was doing about a million dollars in sales every day. And maybe there's some survivorship bias going on here. But when an entrepreneur at that level gives that advice as his number one tip, you got to take notice. And since Brent and I went through that painted picture exercise four years ago, we actually made quite a few moves to get closer to it. And maybe on the other side, it's made it a lot easier to say no to projects and so-called opportunities that don't support that shared vision that we had. Because if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to be able to reverse engineer a path to get there? At some point, there needs to be a force, either internal or external, to get over the inertia of doing the same thing and hoping for or expecting different results. Mitch Davis put it this way in episode 324. Number one tip is you got to do something. Otherwise, tomorrow, the next day, and the next month, and the next year is going to be the same. That's a line I refer back to quite a bit. You got to do something or tomorrow is going to be the same. And when you find that reality unacceptable, like Shane Sams did, 
you have no choice but to take action and do something about it. Long story short, I found out my son was being mistreated in a daycare. He was being abused. They were locking him in a bathroom for hours at a time. And and the day that I needed to take off work to deal with this, my boss told me that I needed to handle my personal problems after work. And, and that's what inspired me and moved me to go work for myself. And I promised myself that I would never be in that situation again. I would control every second, every minute of my life. Someday, somehow, it starts as a side hustle, but it ended up being more. As a parent, that's just a terrifying thought, but it illustrates how motivating a bad situation can be to get out of. If things in your life are pretty good, relatively speaking, you got to find another powerful why to get going. So that's big idea number one, this driving motivation or optimistic vision of what life could be. But visions and motivations don't pay the bills. So what do you do next? The second big idea I've noticed from the last 500 episodes is what I call the piggyback principle. Find a hot trend and piggyback on that hot trend. That would be my best advice for anyone starting out is find something that's really hot or popular. And instead of just going for that item, sell an accessory or an add-on to the really popular item. That was Tony Anderson way back on episode 194. So when you're trying to come up with a side hustle idea, we've seen some great success stories of people catching a rising tide. In a sense, this is the old business model of selling shovels into a gold rush. For example, you know, more and more people are hiring cleaning services. Maybe you could start one of your own in your own town, like Anthony and Janoka Hartzog, like Chris Schwab, or maybe you could build some booking software that makes their life easier, like Jobber, or maybe you could help them collect more reviews, like Chris Lillini, and more people are starting podcasts. As another example, maybe you could help them with the editing or the show notes, like Podcast Fast Track or Awesome Pros, who's been on the show. Companies are getting involved in content marketing. Maybe you could offer a freelance writing service like Georgia Austin. More and more parents are homeschooling. So maybe you could offer a class on OutSchool like Jade Weatherington or Devin Ricks. More and more people are using XYZ specific software. So maybe you could create some video training materials and consulting services like Paul Miners. Example after example of this big idea number two, catch a rising tide, piggyback on those trends, and I think you're going to have an easier time than you know fighting against the current, trying to convince someone that this is something that they need. So be on the lookout for new trends in your industry because there's an advantage to being early as well. So now we've got the motivation. We're keeping an eye on interesting trends, just paying attention to what we see happening, or you can use a tool like Google Trends to measure the relative interest in a search term over time, or you can subscribe to a newsletter like trends, trends trends.co, which is really well done. And I think there's still a free trial over there. But after that, it comes time to solve a problem. And that's big idea number three. The vast majority of guests that you hear on the Side Hustle Show built a business to solve a specific problem. That's what customers pay money for. That's what I pay money for as a business owner, as a customer, as a consumer. I don't particularly care about your passions and motivations as long as you can make my pain go away. Here's John Lee Dumas to explain. Frankly, a lot of people are getting some so-so advice out there. Like one of the pieces of advice people are getting are, follow your passion, like that's enough, like just do that. And that's terrible advice because listen, if it's just your passion and there's no value to go with it, it's just a hobby. Because listen, people are gonna be happy for you that you're passionate about something, But unless it's providing real value to their world, unless it's providing a real solution to their problems, they're not going to care that much, I promise you. And that's just called being a human being. 
So you need to say, okay, what am I passionate about? What am I excited about? Good, check. I know all these things now. Okay, now step two, what am I good at? What skills do I have? What value can I add to this world? Okay, step two's done. I know those things now. Step three, how can I combine what I'm good at, value that I can add to the world, skills that I have with something that I'm passionate about and excited about and fired up about? What does that look like? What is that zone of fire that I call that lies in the middle, that intersects those two? That's a combination and a commingling of your passions and your skills, of your enthusiasm and your expertise. That's your zone of fire. That's where your big idea lies because now you're excited about it. So you're gonna get up every day and do it, but also guess what? you are gonna be adding value to the world. You're gonna be solving real problems and other people are gonna care then because they will care when you provide solutions to their problems. Now, the good news here is that humans, we're natural born problem solvers. So how do you go find problems you can solve? Number one, through conversations. You can ask people questions like, you know, what challenges are you facing right now? What are the biggest threats to your business? What's the most annoying thing in your life right now? Number two, maybe your own pain points. Where do you spend your own money? And especially the money that you're kind of meh about spending, like you wish there was a better option out there. Julia Tunstall explained recently on the show, she couldn't in good conscience recommend any of the barware that was being sold on Amazon. So she and her husband, Chris, ended up having their own stuff manufactured and they were off to the races with that. And then maybe the third thing is what do other people complain to you about? If other people are complaining to it, maybe on the other side of that, there's a business opportunity because problems are everywhere, but it's the solution that maybe the money-making opportunity, the side hustle opportunity. The trick is to find a pain, find a problem that's both real and perceived and hopefully worth spending money to solve. This is Greg Hickman from episode 270. Pay really close attention that you are falling in love with the problem that you solve, not the solution to the problem. Why do you say that? Just because the solution may change? Yeah. All right. Fall in love with the problem. So can I I give a little backstory on that real fast? Yeah, let's hear it. So before Systemly, I had a business called Mobile Mix. It was a blog, podcast, turned into mobile marketing engine. We were selling mobile services specifically to independent retail. Guess what? Independent retail, A, didn't think they had a problem at all. So I had to convince them they had a problem. Then I needed to educate them on mobile because they didn't even know anything about it. Then I needed to connect mobile as a solution to their problem. These guys weren't even using email yet. Like, (laughs) you think they're going to be investing in mobile? It was a pain. I was basically slamming my head into a wall for a year or actually more than that, where we were just stuck five to seven K a month in revenue. Yeah. You were the mobile marketing guy for years. Yeah. Over a decade. And so talk about pivot, right? But when I really looked at it, I was so in love with mobile because that was my background. I spent a decade there. I was the mobile guy. Like literally people sometimes even say like, and it got to the point where I was like, I just had to have a really tough conversation. It's like, do I care more about being the mobile guy or do I care more about having a business that can create leverage and have longevity? And obviously that decision came down to, yeah, I don't care about being the mobile guy anymore. I can reinvent myself, which is what I had to do. Yeah. Now we're here talking about funnels, not mobile, right? So just be careful that you might be good at something or love something so much that you become blinded to the fact that the person you you want to sell it to, despite you knowing it will help, if they don't feel like they have a problem, you're never going to sell it. 
So fall in love with solving that problem and the solution will come and you will find a way. But as long as you can be in love with that problem, you will always have a business because you can always solve that problem no matter what the solution is. Like fall in love with solving the problem, not the way that you solve the problem. And in your conversations, and this is straight from Dane Maxwell, Start From Zero, you can even ask people, well, what would your ideal solution look like? How much would that be worth to you? So now you've got your problem and a hypothesis on how you might go about solving it. But this is where so many people get stuck on the side hustle sidelines. I don't want that to happen for you. Hey, this is Pat Flynn from the Smart Passive Income Podcast. One of my favorite productivity hacks involves just a little note that is on my computer that says one single word. And that word is start. You know, an object at rest tends to stay at rest. And for me, I do a lot of things often that uh, just try to fill in that space before I know I'm supposed to do something. So I often just procrastinate is really what I do. So I just tell myself through this note, just a post-it note, just on my computer, very simple, to just start. Because once you get started, it starts to go a little bit easier. You build that momentum. And that's just the best thing that has helped me is just reminding myself to start because we always try to get in our own way, don't we? This is a big idea number four, just start. Out of all of my guests, number one tips, this is far and away the most common. And when so many entrepreneurs attribute their ultimate success to simply getting started, again, it's something you gotta take notice of. The frustrating part is what's often left unsaid, just start. Yeah, but start what? (laughs) What should I do? And the truth is, it really doesn't matter. This is Julie Sharanosher from episode 123. It's like a chess game. It doesn't really, and if we have chess lovers in the audience, please don't throw things at me for what I'm about to say, but it's like, it doesn't really matter what your very first move is going to be if you're the first player starting a match in chess. Because whatever it is, you're just trying to drive response from your opponent. And this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get some sort of feedback from the universe, from your clients, from your customers, from the people around you, from your the readers of your blog, listeners of your podcast. We're trying to feel what is the right thing to do. And you know what? Even if you get like a horrible response and people say, boo, this is not what we want. This is crap. You're still in a better position, you know what? Because this is not a beauty contest. Now you know which path not to go and it doesn't testify anything about you or your abilities. It just means that you are one step closer to finding the right thing to focus on. One thing that's interesting about the last nine years of interviews is we've seen a lot of entrepreneurs where the business they're running today isn't the business they necessarily started with. I mean, For me, I started selling paint jobs by going door to door. Never would have expected it would lead to talking to you and tens of thousands of other listeners today. Ryan Finley described the phenomenon this way, way back in episode 72. Some of the best opportunities that you're going to find in business are going to be found once you've already started moving in in a direction. Like Very infrequently do you see incredible opportunities before you even start. Pretty much everything that's happened around this business, the appliance school, all the training, everything that's come out of my buying and selling at Craigslist, they were just opportunities that just kept presenting themselves after I had started and after I'd like, put in a bunch of hard work. I just want to encourage your listeners, try to get something to work and, and then just keep your eyes open for opportunities along the way. There it is, one of my most frequently cited pieces 
of advice. The best opportunities become visible once you're in motion. And if opportunities become visible once you're in motion, the only rational thing to do is to get moving and stay moving. I'll call it the Loper Law of Side Hustle Physics. Get started and stay started. Big idea number five coming up right after this. If you're scrambling to get your books in order and you may be thinking, never again, this is the year I finally get organized, I want to invite you to check out our sponsor, freshbooks.com, which helps you track income and expenses throughout the year. That gives you a real-time dashboard of your profitability and it makes your taxes a breeze. Here's FreshBooks founder and CEO, Mike McDermott, on what FreshBooks does and who it's for. Ridiculously easy to use invoicing and accounting software that's in the cloud so you can access it on any device. As I like to say, if you invoice, you need FreshBooks. We don't do retail. We don't do restaurants. We're just built for people who who send invoices, get paid for their time and expertise. And we serve people with no employees up to people with a lot of employees. Side Hustle Show listeners can try FreshBooks free for 30 days at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to test it out for free. No catch and no credit card required. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Big idea number five is to go where the cash is already flowing. In fact, this idea was so big, I wrote a whole book about it in 2016 called Buy Buttons. The thesis is this, go find the marketplaces and the meeting places and the connection hubs where your target customers are already looking to buy the kind of thing that you're selling. That's why we talk about Fiverr and Upwork and Udemy and Amazon and OutSchool and Facebook Marketplace and Etsy and Redbubble and all of these places that make it relatively simple to go put your product or service up for sale, tap into this big pre-existing audience of buyers and make it easy for them to find you and do business with you. I wasn't necessarily thinking anything would come of this Fiverr account, but I made it and I uploaded my first, I think it was just one gig at the time. It was a website content gig. And to my surprise, I got my first order within two days. That was Georgia Austin from episode 479, who was doing 90 grand a month through Fiverr for freelance writing when we spoke. Now, think about that experience in contrast to if Georgia had just set up her own website and said, I can write website content for you. Crickets, right? But no, she went to this marketplace where people were already looking for this type of thing and put the offer in front of them. Similarly, you can take a look at existing listings on these marketplaces to see what's working. Here's Rachel Jones on doing some initial product research on Etsy. Success leaves clues. So my biggest recommendation is to go on Etsy and just explore. I mean, you can go as simple as 
just type in the word printables or digital download and see what pops up. And then one key thing you're going to look for is bestseller tags. So Etsy gives this information away, which I love for doing research. But if you're looking at listings, you can just kind of zoom out and glaze your eyes so you're not paying attention and distracted by the pretty pictures, but just look for that bestsellers tag. And then once you find that, you can dig a little deeper and that will give you clues as to things that are selling because there's, you know, I'm sure millions of products on Etsy and there's, it's hard to tell which ones are selling and which aren't, but you know, if they're a bestseller that they are getting sales, people are purchasing those. And so there's a reason why those are popular. In just about every niche, there's going to be a marketplace to set up shop and put your product or service up for sale. But if there isn't an obvious marketplace, you can follow big idea number six, and this can work with online businesses, with e-commerce products, with service businesses, and that's to fast track your side hustle with partnerships. This is a super common marketing theme throughout the archives, even going back to 2013, 2014. I mean, we had Ryan Cote on episode 34 talking about the value of strategic referral partnerships for his SEO agency. We had uh, Daniel DiPiazza the very next week talking about his marsupial method, he called it, I guess, because you're getting in the metaphorical pouch of a referral partner. But the gist of it is thinking who your target customers are already doing business with and then building relationships with those people as a fast track way to potentially connect with their customers. And it can be online or offline. For example, here's one way Erica Krupen marketed her pooper scooper business. What I did was something that was really creative. I went to Dunkin' Donuts and I went and got donuts and I broke them up into a half a dozen each. I walked into local vet offices and pet supply places and I said, hi, my name's Erica, blah, 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 blah. I have donuts and business cards. May I leave both of them here? Okay, okay. Yeah, and that worked really well. And so they put my little, because I have a little hot pink cards, they put them up front and center. And they were like, this is the coolest thing ever. Okay, yeah, that's that's an interesting way to break through the clutter. First, the hot pink business cards and then the donuts. Like, hey, can I drop my business cards here? Ah, who are you? Get out the door. But hey, you brought us donuts? Fantastic. Exactly. And they get really excited, especially like I went to one pet store and they love donuts. So they're like, yes, this is amazing. And so now they know me as like the poop scooping lady and the donut lady. Could you go speak at a conference? Could you guest on a podcast? Some of the biggest spikes on the side hustle show download chart have come immediately following a guest appearance on other relevant shows like Entrepreneurs on Fire, like Bigger Pockets Money, Mad Scientist, Choose FI. Could you display at an event? These types of partnerships that allow you to tap into somebody else's audience are super powerful. And I encourage you to brainstorm a list of your top 10, 20, 100 potential dream partners and think of how you could be of service to them in some way. We did a full episode on this recently with Dustin Lean in episode 465 and specifically on holding partner workshops where you offer some free educational workshop. You showcase your expertise, which is uh, great for consultants and freelancers. And in exchange, all the partner has to do is invite their audience. It's a win-win for everybody. Really the biggest main question is, where are they already hanging out? Where are they online already? What other brand or uh, or website or company has a big enough, like maybe they have a really big budget and they've already spent the money to acquire the customers that you also want to acquire. So maybe it's a software company. When you're filling out that Dream 100 list of who to partner with, think about who has your exact same target audience, but is not a competitor. 
And that brings us back to talking about why niching down is important because if you are, or, you know, in my case, I'm doing email marketing and and SMS marketing for um, e-commerce brands. So now I can go to a, another agency even, or someone who's a blogger with a, with a big audience, but they teach about SEO, specifically SEO for e-commerce. And now we're not competitors. So they don't have to worry about me trying to siphon their audience for my business. And I don't have to worry about the same thing from them. So we can actually form a good partnership, do a good workshop and cheer each other on instead of feeling like we have to compete. It's definitely a win for everybody. So let that be your homework for today to think of some potential partnerships and start laying some of the initial groundwork to go out and make those a reality. Now, these buy buttons, marketplaces, and strategic partnerships are great ways to get customers quickly, but they can also be a little bit fragile. As anyone who's ever faced a Google algorithm change or a Facebook update or getting your social media account mysteriously shut down, those people will tell you, yeah, you got to go take advantage of these platforms, but you also need to own your audience. And even nine years later from the Side Hustle Show, the primary way to do that is still through an email list. And that's big idea number seven, build your own email list. It doesn't happen by accident, but it doesn't need to be overly complicated either. The basic formula is still to offer some sort of lead magnet, be it a cheat sheet, template, a resource, a guide, a checklist, a free mini course, something of value in exchange for your visitor's email. Here's how Jennifer Maker broke it down, who, when we spoke, had an email list of something like 380,000 subscribers, and I'm sure it's grown by leaps and bounds since then. My big goal in everything I do is to get people onto my mailing list. I don't put a lot of faith in social media, like I use it, but at any time, Facebook or YouTube or whatever could say, hey, no go. So every blog post that I put out is typically, it's a how-to. If it's not, it's something very similar. And I funnel them to my lead magnet. And my my lead magnets are very high quality. Typically, you can't do the project without having my pattern or whatever it is that I'm giving away totally free. But it is something that another person might actually charge for. So it's it's something valuable and necessary to do the thing that I am teaching people how to do. So all the teaching is in the blog post or the video. But to actually do exactly what I'm showing you how to do, you want to get onto my mailing list. Yes, there's affiliate links in there. Yes, there's a little bit of advertising. I've been actually decreasing that as I grow. But mostly, it's to get onto my mailing list. And from my mailing list, then I nurture them. I don't like just like, hey, you want to buy this stuff? (laughs) I try to talk to them about me, find out about them. I invite them to email me back. And we build or attempt to build trust between us, right? So that they feel good about me and I offer lots of awesome things free. And when I feel it's appropriate, then I say, hey, I have an ebook that might help you with what you're struggling with, or I have a course. And that is basically what I do. Another popular strategy is the quiz funnel, where you ask visitors to answer a handful of questions in exchange for personalized recommendations. This can be used very effectively in e-commerce, like we heard from Connor Meekin recently, and in uh, content businesses as well. Here's how it works for Tori Dunlap from her first 100K, and here's how she drives email signups from TikTok. The caption was, if you want personalized resources, take the free quiz in my bio. 
So I had created, along with my team, a system where if you come to my website, you can take this free quiz. It asks you questions about your financial experience. You know, like, where are you at in your life? How are you employed? What's your number one financial goal? And when you take the quiz, in exchange for your email, you get these results. You get this list of personalized resources. And so by directing people to the link in bio, right, I was hoping that if this video did well, I could you know, increase my email list. So the video blew up. And within a week, we had gained 100,000 email subscribers. Holy crap. Which (laughs) was insane. So we had already had about 40,000 email subscribers on our general list. And keep in mind, I had been at TikTok for like nine months at this point. So we had increased our following quite a bit. But that video... I think increased my TikTok following by around 300 to 400,000 and converted 100,000 people to my email list. It also got me uh, multiple features on BuzzFeed that then blew up. Yeah. Uh, features in pretty much every language, a feature on CBS, a feature on NBC. Like it was insane. And so for me, it's not enough to just go viral. I need you to have systems in place that can support that virality. I need you to have very strategic ways that you can convert those followers into either email list subscribers or paying customers. And so for me, really how I've driven sales from TikTok is either sales of my own products, my courses, my coaching, my workshops, or affiliate sales. I'll talk about a high yield savings account and link my affiliate partner and you know be paid out that way through a conversion. That is big idea number seven, and it's really stood out over the last nine years. Build that email list as a way to weather the storm, as a way to communicate directly with your target audience without relying on some big tech algorithm to show them your stuff. Building a similar quiz funnel is definitely something that's on my project list for this year. I'm really inspired by what Tori's built, and there's lots of other examples of people doing similar stuff. You know, building this email list is one of the most important metrics for me. So uh, if you're listening to this, if you're not subscribed, come on in. The water's warm. SideHustleNation.com slash join is an easy way to do that. You'll get my weekly newsletter, my best side hustle tips straight to your inbox, all that jazz. SideHustleNation.com slash join. Now, big idea number eight is actually related to that. If email is an important metric in your business, it makes sense to focus on that. One common trait that you might have noticed from Side Hustle Show guests is this practice of focusing on what matters. As a business owner and especially as a side hustler, you're going to face distractions all day long. But there are probably only a few core things that really matter and move your business forward. Rosemary Groner explained it this way in episode 268. You don't have to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. If you spend your time doing the things that make you the most amount of money consistently and you eliminate doing the things that make you less amount of money consistently, your income naturally grows. Like it's almost impossible to fail at this. She went on to explain what that looked like for her blogging business at busybudgeter.com. So I eliminated anything that wasn't the most important thing for my growth. So I didn't answer all of those spam emails that you get there that are like, hey, can you put this infographic in, in your blog post? Like, no, I didn't even like read them. I didn't answer every blog comment, which is something that pretty much everyone tells you to do. I didn't do all the things that everybody else thought was important. For me, this practice has a few parts. First, I try and do a daily check-in as part of my nightly shutdown routine. I ask myself what I got done that day and compare that to the list that I said the night before were my top priorities. If they match up, great. If they don't, 
Why not? What happened? The next phase in this review process for me are my quarterly progress reports. This is a chance to publicly reflect on what I worked on and the results of those projects. It's a great excuse to review a few times a year what's working in your business and what's not. Other people will call these, you know, after action reports or monthly or quarterly reviews. But the idea is the same. Stop for a second to ask yourself if the hours you're putting in are making any meaningful impact. Because if they're not, that's when it's time to adjust course before you get in any deeper. And finally, I run what I call revenue attribution reports once or twice a year. And this is just a high level analysis of what's driving sales. Like, where's the money coming from? That way you can hopefully pour more fuel on the fire for the channels that are working and maybe cut back your hours on the projects that aren't as lucrative. And if you do the important things consistently and move to eliminate, automate, or delegate everything else, you're going to start feeling this sense of positive momentum and the flywheel gets spinning, the sense of positive progress. If I'm feeling a little bit antsy or, or stressed or whatever, I'm like, have I exercised today? Like, what am I behind on? What What is troubling right, me right now? I think if you ask yourself, like, what's troubling you? Or did today matter? Did I do something that mattered today? Or was it just kind of like a, a normal day where I can't really identify something? I think you want to have like a, more and more days where you're like, yes, today was... It's not so much like a great day. Like it, it can, it's cool to be to have a great day, but it's like today actually mattered because I made progress on something, and that to me is very motivating. That was Chris Gillibo, and that was a nugget that hit home because there are a lot of days, or there were a lot of days, where I kind of felt like I'm in maintenance mode, or I didn't have this you know big block of deep work time to make progress on some new project, some new initiative. But this daily check-in of did today matter? I think that can be really powerful. My buddy Chad Carson even has t-shirts that say, do what matters. I'm still trying to get myself one of those. So hopefully he puts up some uh, merch for sale soon. But that is big idea number eight. It's this habit of reflection, analysis, and focus. Doubling down on what's working and adjusting course as needed. There's this compound effect of aiming to get a little bit better every day. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big idea number nine, we're on the home stretch here. Big idea number nine is growth through mentorship. The idea of mentors and coaches and masterminds and paying for courses, that was all pretty foreign stuff to me nine years ago, but I've benefited tremendously from all of the above since then. I definitely had this sense of, of maybe ill, ill-placed self-confidence in that, yeah, you know what, I can figure everything out on my own. And maybe I could, given an unlimited time horizon, but there's certainly some value in shortcutting 
the learning curve. First off, by paying attention to what other people in the space are doing, but also paying for coaching, building your own mastermind group of people working towards similar goals. Now, having been a part of several mastermind groups over the last nine years, it's hard to imagine going at it without them, without some sort of peer accountability. But more than that, it's the camaraderie and the honest feedback and the glimpse into other online businesses. Super helpful to have a group of other business owners to bounce ideas off of and help each other work through challenges. If you're currently going at it alone, I would prioritize creating some sort of mastermind or accountability group. It's an overused quote, but there's some truth to it, right? You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So surround yourself with people on the same path. Just a few weeks ago, Joan Farrell left us with this that hit home for me. No matter what you choose to do, you should educate yourself. Even if you know some about it, the best thing to do is to take a course, go on to YouTube, do your research before you start it, which is what what we did. And when Jack told me about the Flea Market Flipper University course, it was the perfect venue because you need education to further yourself no matter what you do. And you can still be considered learning it on your own. But when you have somebody tell you exactly the trials and tribulations you're going to run into and how to perform the business and how it actually works, it's a lot easier than trying to try to do it all all on your own. And education is cheap compared to ignorance. (laughs) So... Yes. (laughs) So you want to just continue to build your knowledge no matter what you choose to do. Education is cheap compared to ignorance. It's the same reason why reading books has a tremendous ROI. It's this ability to download somebody else's experience and skills and knowledge and apply it to your situation. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but mentorship and investing in your own entrepreneurial education is definitely a common theme from Side Hustle Show guests. And again, it probably sounds like common sense to you, but it wasn't something that was really on my radar when I started the show. And that brings me to big idea number 10, which is to level up, to create systems and to become the business owner more than the business doer. Tyler Gillespie dropped this challenge slash thought exercise on us in episode 430 in what he called the laptop test. If you closed your laptop today, how long would your business survive? And that's really important because if someone's going to buy your business, it's a huge tell like how dependent the business is on you. Um, And the more team you can have implemented and built around yourself... Um, where you could close your laptop and step away for two weeks a month, which is like kind of the goal I try to set, then the better off your business is going to be. That's going to be really attractive for an investor. The laptop test. This is something that I've done okay with in certain areas, but for full disclosure, have completely failed in others. One exercise that I've used in the past is to create a detailed time audit. And I've got a time tracking template that you can download. I'll put it in the show notes for this episode. But the idea is this, you can't manage what you don't measure. So you need to measure what you're actually spending your time on. Do that for a week or two weeks, and you're going to start to see some patterns of tasks that you can hopefully eliminate if they're not really that important, that you can automate and or create some recurring system or process around, or delegate those. Could you write up the recipe, create the process, and have somebody else on your team, go and follow that recipe. 
When is it time for a system? Jeff DiOrio from EliteChess.net in episode 487. He said, as soon as I got something unmanageable to where I'm staying up all night doing something, that's when I think, okay, it's time to get a system. To get to that next level and pursue some other fun projects or experiments that I'd like to, I really need to scale back my involvement in certain day-to-day operational tasks. So this type of laptop test and systemization is kind of a high priority for me this quarter and is a big idea from nine years on the show. To consistently level up, you got to be working on your business rather than in it. So to summarize, 10 big ideas from 500 episodes of the Side Hustle Show, it was a huge challenge to narrow these down to just 10 because this is kind of weird. I felt Like I was reasonably well-educated and a reasonably successful entrepreneur when the show started, and I have learned so much from my guests over the years. It's incredible, the knowledge that rubs off on you, both from the individual conversations, but really from the repetition of doing it week after week after week for years, and the cumulative advice and the common traits that start to bubble up to the top. But uh, the top 10 that we had here today, number one, was to set the vision and figure out why. Why is that important to you? Number two is to piggyback on trends, see if you can tap into a, a rising tide there. Number three is to solve problems. That's what people are paying for. Much easier to sell pain pills than it is to sell vitamins. Number four was to just start and stay started. Remember Pat Flynn with his little sticky note, just start. Go uh, where the cash is already flowing. That's number five. Go where the cash is already flowing. Go where your audience already is. There's a whole book on this called Buy Buttons, buybuttonsbook.com. Number six is to fast track your side hustle through partnerships. How Who already has the audience that you want to serve? See how you can get on their radar and be of service in some way. Number seven is to build your email list. This is the way to algorithm-proof your business. Super important metric for me and for most other online business owners. Number eight is to do what matters and do it consistently. It's this reflection habit of, you know, the after action report. Did I do work that mattered today? Am I moving things forward or was I just in maintenance mode? Number nine is to accept mentorship and education. Remember, education is cheap compared to ignorance. Get yourself a mastermind group. Surround yourself with people on a similar path. And finally, number 10 was to level up, to build systems, become the business owner more than the business doer, work on your business, not necessarily in it all the time, but a huge heartfelt thank you to every single guest over the years and to thank you for tuning in. Big thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week and for really being a huge supporter of the show for the last six, seven years or something like that. FreshBooks.com slash side hustle. That's where you go to start your free trial of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for side hustlers and freelancers everywhere. That is it for me. If you've found value in this episode or any other, the greatest compliment is to share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.